Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. It feels very end of termy today, starting the service with, or the gathering, with ice lollies. Um, but uh, if you don't know me, uh, I'm Helen Jackson. I've been a member of the church family here for 24 years. Ooh, and I'm a very new um, licensed lay minister as well. Um, but uh, before we start, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book of Hebrews and for being with us as we have journeyed through it. May the words I speak today be those you want spoken. May the words we hear be those you want heard. And may we live to your praise and glory. Amen. So, uh, as Tim says, today we reach the end of our journey through Hebrews. Um, it's a letter which the writer describes as writing quite briefly. Um, but I think Theresa May was Prime Minister when we started Chapter 1. Um, it, it's also uh, the last of our Term Time Sunday services, and we're ready to start our summer season of abiding. When we step back from a lot of the regular things we do during the week as a church, and try and give ourselves space to rest, to spend time together, and to spend time with God, to listen to his voice. Just be with him and reflect on what's gone by, what's happened, and where we're going in the future. So today is an opportunity to look back over our journey through Hebrews and reflect on what we've heard, as well as looking at the parting message of the last few verses. Um, you have a hand, yes, there's a test coming round. No, um, we have a handout today, which just to offer a starting point for reflection, not just today in the moment, but also as you... Uh, maybe grab some time uh, in the coming weeks by the beach, or uh, I'm sure you'll take this hand out with you, um, uh, just to have something to start you off in thinking between now and September. So let's first uh, complete our journey by reading the last few verses in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 to 25. Uh, the words will appear on the screen, or uh, you can follow it, obviously, in your own Bible or on your app. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. Now may the God of peace, 
who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Amen. When I first looked at this, I thought, well, thanks again, Anne. I get to speak on the equivalent of bye-bye. Uh, Don't forget to put the bins out. Um, but of course, it's those final words that people say to you that can be the most important. And it's a real shame we don't have uh, time to consider them all today. The author of Hebrews was writing to encourage a community of Jewish Christians who were struggling to understand how being a Christian sat with their Jewish faith. And at the same time, they were experiencing persecution for their new faith. Uh, and it, it was clearly all getting a bit much. Um, Tim Mackey of the Bible Project, as always, has done a really helpful summary of Hebrews uh, on the Bible Project website. And I think we have a really easy to understand at a glance diagram. Here we are. Um, if you want to uh, understand that in a bit more detail, there's a really good uh, video on the Bible Project website that talks you through it. Um, but the two key messages are in the bottom corner, uh, taking them in reverse order. One is a challenge to remain faithful to Jesus despite persecution, to trust that God will not abandon us. The writer reminds the Hebrews of all the faithful who have already gone before them, of Abraham, Moses, David, Rahab. He calls them the cloud of witnesses who all died before they could know Jesus, but they nonetheless trusted in God's promises of rescue and remained faithful to him. But the primary message of Hebrews to the Jews was about who Jesus was. It elevated Jesus to a position far above any of the great historical figures in Jewish history. He was the ultimate revelation of God's glory, way above Moses, Abraham, and all the prophets, even above the angels who brought the Torah to Moses. Jesus was a high priest and king way above all the priests of Aaron. Although previously God had spoken through the prophets, he now spoke through Jesus, his son, who, as it says in chapter 1, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. 
Now, previously, Jews had had to go through regular ritual sacrifices to obtain forgiveness of sins, and that would last until the next sacrifice. They had to go to the temple to pray. But Hebrews tells us that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross swept away the need for any of that. He had done it all. He'd made the ultimate sacrifice. Everyone was forgiven and had direct access to the Father through him. It was a huge change. But to those of us who are Christians now, it's always been like that. We've always been able to come before God. And it's really hard to imagine the difference it makes. Um, this was the best example that I could think of. Um, I'm really glad Anne's not here now. Um, so we were uh, on holiday on our caravan, in our caravan, and I really wanted to watch Nadal and Norrie uh, playing at Wimbledon, but my husband absolutely did not want to have anything to do with it. And I thought, well, that's fine. I'll just watch it on my iPad with my headphones. Um, so we have Wi-Fi in our caravan, but the data is very limited. So all I had to do was check I had enough data on my phone, uh, get my phone to forget the caravan Wi-Fi, get my iPad to forget the caravan Wi-Fi, tether my phone to my iPad, go on the BBC website, accept, log in, accept the cookies, confirm that I had a TV license. Uh, then I just had to un-Bluetooth my uh, iPad to the speakers in the caravan and Bluetooth them to my headphones, and I was ready to go. And we were only halfway through the second set by the time I'd done that. And so what Jesus did for the Jews was the equivalent of all, all that faff that they had in their religious life being swept away. Talking for God to God for the Jews became like just being able to turn on my iPad and watch Wimbledon with my headphones. Um, now, that is a, uh, a horribly trivial sermon illustrations. And, and I know this is St. Barnabas. Please do not come up to the end with alternative technical solutions. Um, but maybe this week, every time you click accept cookies, and every time you struggle with the Wi-Fi, you just think, well, thank you, Jesus, that through you, as it says in Hebrews 4, we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our hour of need. Now, as I've said, that is an appallingly trivial illustration. But the irony is, of course, that we take all of it for granted. We don't have to be told that Jesus is divine, but maybe the message of needing to elevate Jesus in our own perception still applies. It's wonderful to be able to bring things to God in prayer, but what about when we send those texts, which I sent one to Anne this week. Sorry to hear you're not well. I'll be praying for you. Now, if you've had one from me, obviously I have prayed very fervently for you. But do we actually acknowledge 
But we are incredibly blessed to be able to approach God's throne of grace with confidence with those requests for healing. Uh, I've been reading a book in the caravan um, by Sam Wells called Humbler Faith, Bigger God. It's a great book. He looks at all the familiar arguments which people bring for why God doesn't exist. Why does God allow suffering if he exists? All of those uh, old chestnuts. But he also looks at all the standard Christian responses that have been trotted out for decades. And he, he critiques them both. And again and again he suggests that the standard Christian responses are unconvincing because we have domesticated God. We've made him our own creature, bounded by our own existence and working for us, seemingly driven to act against his will by the power of our sin, rather than the God who is way beyond our understanding, who created the universe, who chose to come and walk the earth to his death, who chose to do that so that we could see that he conquered death. The same God whom we will see face to face when earth and heaven come together. That same amazing God who passionately wants to be in relationship with every one of us. But we turn to him as a God we want to serve us. He wants to walk with us, not work for us. So actually, maybe the message of, G of Hebrews about elevating our view of Jesus is not so far off the mark. I wanted to look at just two verses from the uh, passage today, uh, 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. These verses reflect the two great commandments of the New Testament, love God and love your neighbor. And I'm sure most of us would hope to do good, to share with others. But what about offering God a sacrifice of praise? Offering a sacrifice of praise is not just loving God. It's actively praising God as we've done so wonderfully here this morning. I have to admit, I'm a great one for gratitude. We're always encouraged to start with gratitude, thanking God for the things he's done in our lives. But I, I'm always conscious that sometimes my prayer life, it gets like an appraisal. My recognizing good work is, is good appraisal technique. Thank you, Lord, that these things have gone so well. Perhaps you could try a little harder in, in these other areas. Um, and for the last year, we've been organizing our son Connor's wedding. And as we got nearer and nearer the day, my prayer life got more and more transactional. Lord, 
please let the orders of service arrive. Please let it not rain. Please let the wine not run out. Praise didn't feature very much. And C.S. Lewis was initially baffled by uh, this command that we should praise God. The all-powerful God surely didn't need our praise. It just seemed highly inappropriate. Um, but later on, Lewis realized that as humans, we delight to praise what we love and what we enjoy. The praise not only expresses our enjoyment, but it completes the experience for it, for us. It enables our enjoyment to overflow. It encourages others. It is so much more than gratitude. In, in our son's wedding speech, uh, he started by very properly thanking everyone. He had, it, he had it all on his phone and he was just going, thank you, thank you to the ushers, thank you to the bridesmaids, thank you to the people who made the cake. And you're sort of sitting there going, yeah, yeah, you know, we've got to do this, move on. Um, and then he, uh, he, he turned to his new wife and everything changed and he just poured out praise and love for her from a totally different place uh, and said how happy he was that he got to spend the rest of his life with her. It was just a totally different thing. It came from a different place. And uh, everyone in the room felt it. We all cried and uh, he brought the house down. So actively, intentionally praising God, it adds a whole new dimension to the experience of knowing him. It takes our relationship to a different level. When we praise God together, we encourage one another. But sadly, we're not always in a place where those praises just come bursting out even in Hebrews, praise is described as a sacrifice. To praise God when everything's going wrong, when the things we want are not happening, when we're stressed out by work or family or health worries, praise comes at a cost. It feels like a sacrifice. And this is where the challenge of Hebrews to trust that God is with us and will not forsake us becomes real. If we look at the Psalms, David was a fantastic exponent of this. Uh, let's look at the start of Psalm 34. If you see the, the, the introductory words say, of David, when he pretended to be insane before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he left. And still he says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will be always on my lips. David knew that he had been anointed by God to be king, and yet things were going so badly, and he had acted so badly himself that he was having to pretend to be insane, to let his saliva run down his beard, to escape with his life. It was not a good day. And yet still he praised God. 
because he knew that God was always with him, however bad it was and however bad he was, God would never forsake him. So as we think about how to respond to this, what are the practices that help us to hold on to that trust and lift us out of the everyday to that place of praise? How do we sacrifice our own concerns and praise God? What works? It's different for everyone. It could be playing worship music. It could be reading psalms. I know I found that when I'm, I'm nowhere near music and I'm really up against it, actually saying those words from Psalm 139, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. They just take me to a different place. I just repeat that, and I'm praising God in a way that, although it's still about me, um, it's recognizing that my life is in God's hands, that I belong to him, and that he is wonderful. Now, your handout has some more um, questions as we look towards the summer, and uh, I'll, I'll leave those to um, Tim to deal with as he wishes. But I just wanted to share uh, just some other book suggestions which are on the sheet, uh, as well as Sam Wells, great book. Uh, there are these three short books by Rowan Williams. Don't be put off by the fact that they're by Rowan Williams. They are really accessible. They're kind of 80 or 90 pages long, just a really easy read, but obviously exceptionally profound once you start thinking about them, because they're Rowan Williams. Um, and, and then my all-time favorite, which is How to Pioneer, Even When You Haven't a Clue, by David Mayle, uh, which is about people reaching out to uh, friends and neighbors who don't come to church and it's just full of fantastic um, unhipster examples of uh, old ladies reaching out to friends in in the fens and bt engineers in wigan and, and there are no shapes in it um, but i i will leave you i will leave you with that thought uh, and hand over to tim